0: glad you joined us. My name is Ethan. And I'm Thomas. This is the Taraxicon podcast, an informative podcast of Tarask proportions.
1: Alright, so today we're going to talk about Occam's DM. Uh, What does that mean for anyone who doesn't know? We're not talking about an ocarina like it might sound. We're talking about Occam's Razor. Uh, Now, a bunch of you might know what that is. A bunch of you might not be watching this podcast, so uh, if you are watching this podcast and you so happen to not know what this is, let me go ahead and read you a couple of things on Occam's Razor. Uh, it is the problem-solving principle that recommends searching for explanations constructed with the smallest possible set of elements. Got it? Cool.
0: If no, you that didn't went get right it, over my head, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's real smart speak. Uh, but another way to look at it is that entities must not be multiplied beyond necessity. Okay. Which is it's a little dumbed down, but ultimately the way we have it is that the simplest explanation is usually the best
0: one. So, I thought this was a TTRPG podcast, not a philosophy one.
1: Well, the good news is that philosophy applies to almost anything, including a TTRPG. Dang
0: you, philosophy.
1: (laughs) Dang you, You can't get rid of you. Why do we need this? Get it out of here. So now we'll go back to the the title of the episode, Occam's DM, which is just basically uh, how to DM simply, which is usually, in my opinion, the best way you can DM.
0: Mm, uh, I agree. That's how I like to do it as well.
1: Anyways, that's the episode. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> so we're going to um, get into some... Uh, I wouldn't say... Mm, you could argue simpler ways to DM, but uh, way I would say more of ways to look at the way you DM in a more simple way. Uh, light. Uh, I just want to go ahead and make a first statement here that one of our first things that we would recommend you do if you are looking to be a better DM is first you should actually watch our last episode, which is about helping your players and helping you as a player as well. Because right. you as a DM are a player you are on the same team that your friends are as well so if you haven't watched that one you still have time we'll still be here don't worry we'll wait but uh while you are gone we are going to talk a little bit about uh the first things about dming
0: yeah i like to call them the three pillars of dming you know the exploration the combat the social and uh we
1: also have another one but we'll get into that in a second so uh ethan assume i am uh, a noob which is a phrase that i would argue isn't used much anymore um (laughs) no we're old is (laughs) no no (laughs) when did this happen my hip it hurts suddenly (laughs) uh what is exploration
0: well i mean that's simply just discovering places with your friends traveling around in the world whatever world you're playing in you know exploring Mm, consider me learned yes sir Uh,
1: and i would assume that by that logic that combat
0: yeah, absolutely. Would be
1: discovering new enemies and traveling the uh, obstacles and uh, killing people. Yep, yep, uh, yep. probably mostly the killing people part, actually. <laughs> yeah, more but, uh, most of uh, it. Yeah, but the, yeah, I would also like to make a moment or take a moment to say that combat—you do fight people, but it's not. There are special circumstances that would be under combat. That wouldn't necessarily put you up against enemies, but uh, obstacles. Like, for example, a rolling boulder or a chase sequence or a trap, uh, things like that.
0: Yep, And then there's the social, so pretty much any time a player is going to interact with almost anything in the world, uh, be it NPCs, groups, factions, those types of things, and the impact that that derives onto the world. What's that last thing you was talking about, though?
1: That's not a big deal. But it actually is. So uh, the last thing, I would actually say it's the most important part, even though I wouldn't consider it's a pillar. uh, It's it's more of the ground from which these pillars are built upon, which is the meta. Uh, We've mentioned it a little bit last episode, but we're going to mention it a little bit this episode as well. Uh, It is important as part of your DMing toolbox that you do recognize the meta, you understand the meta, and you, I wouldn't say control, I would say you help organize a place for it, Uh, which would be uh, allowing your players to strategize before encounters or boss fights. Or just to, you know, help figure out, you know, what their characters' abilities are. Or even if they just want to shoot the shit and just talk at the table. Um, obviously, you might have some problems, and you as the DM are partly responsible for controlling that. Uh, but uh, it is, uh, nonetheless, an important part of DMing.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, so the thing about letting your players strategize is it will allow them to not fail so often but I think it is a good point to also say that it is good for your players to have consequences
0: yeah I mean consequences are always good you know it makes people feel like their actions mean something in the world you know whether they be good or bad and
1: validate that player agency y'all
0: I mean, that, those are some big words there Thomas
1: let me go back to the Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, I love this word. I used it last episode, and I, I, I feel like I'm going to keep using it. But mm-hmm. uh, consequences does enrich the choices that your players make, both good and bad.
0: Well, yeah, uh, man, you got to have the, the lows to have the really good highs, you know?
1: Yeah, and it, it, even if you did everything right, but there was no higher lows, and you're just on still water... You ain't going nowhere
0: yep, yep.
1: You gotta have some wind I guess that's actually a good analogy If, if, if this is the story in the DMing Where the ups and downs Of the waves on the ocean You as the DM would be The wind mm. But ultimately on still water uh, They will barely Have anywhere to go Now of course that would be the equivalent of you as the DM Giving them the push but that is to say that if you're not Doing that uh, They're not going anywhere and the waves yeah. are actually the result of you with the wind. So that's a cool little thing we just figured out.
0: Yeah. So good analogy there, Thomas. Hell
1: yeah. Well, it's you know, we're talking about some philosophical stuff like the you know, Occam's razor. I actually didn't yeah. even know what it was called, but I just felt that this word was right for the episode. <laughs> so I had to relook it up, but I think I think this was I actually think I was thinking of Shekhov's gun. But that uh, would not have been 100% relevant. It is a good note, by the way, Shekhov's gun. If you're going to put something in the story, chances are you might, you know, they're going to think it's going to get used or they're going to feel like it's going to get used. Right. Even though that's not, okay. even though that's not like 100% true, um, it is still kind of a thing to be aware of that people will think that way. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> I've had. Uh, players you know there's a completely innocuous npc i throw in for a, a comedic relief moment or something and then boom that person ends up becoming an integral part of the story because of the players
1: you know i actually learned that um i say learned as if i'm a studied professional i i heard that um the reason why you might have like a tavern full of cool NPCs but your characters go towards that one ugly ass goblin <laughs> in the corner yeah. who just like Bob the, just, the Boblin. <laughs> right it, it's because almost like they know that these other people are figures of interest in the story and that this guy is just random and then they trust that like oh this is like it makes them feel like this is a random element that's not controlled in any way so we're going to interact with that because we know that it's going to be a genuine interaction, not a played out like thing. So that just means two things. Uh, that if you do that situation, you're going to either want to purposely make Goblin the Boblin the story figure. <laughs> like, haha, I'm going to trick them. They're going to have all these edgy people, but the Goblin is actually going to have the story. So <laughs> they're going to go to the <laughs> Goblin. Or you just make sure your characters in the tavern are all almost similar to Goblin the Goblin, where they're not so obviously um, story related. Eh, I'll just like throw
0: that. another hook in Boblin's story.
1: Yeah, he does.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you <laughs> now guys you have to do it. <laughs> now
1: you have to. And he was killed by the king. Ah, oh, Now you have to go to the story to get revenge for Boblin. <laughs> just go
0: something way more straightforward and be like a train comes out of nowhere and takes you back to the bar.
1: <laughs> Damn.
0: Straight uh, up we actually do... railroad him.
1: Oh, he puts you on the train, <laughs> Uh <laughs> Boblin. What are you making? Oh, I'm making a uh, making a set of railroad tracks. <laughs> well, where are they going? Oh, they're going to that castle over there. I don't know really what.
0: And that's the fun part of uh, any TTRPG. Rules are suggestions. Yes. You want to say any more on that one? I think that's a that's a pretty great. Just boom. Rules are suggestions.
1: There, there are. Countless things I would love to say. Um, okay. First off, you you are the final say on any rule. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this just kind of plays into what you just said, but there is an interesting thing that if you open some books, uh, one of one of the first things those books say as the dungeon, like your role as the dungeon master, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. that you as the adjudicator of the rules, like you, ah, adjudicator. Like, uh, adjudicator, fancy word. Um, you are the one who the rules are suggestions to. Now they might be rules for the players, but they are not rules for you. Now you do want to if you make a rule or a ruling that you follow you want to be consistent. This is not to say that you are going to mm. say it's okay now and then later be like, no, right, no, it's right. not okay anymore because then it's going to be unfair that you are picking and choosing but it is to say that If you think your table might have more fun if you uh didn't have death saving throws if you think that and then your players agree then by all means no one's going to come to your house and beat you up because you didn't follow the rules Uh, another thing that you can do is uh only roll your dice if the outcome of whatever your players are trying to do uh, is impactful on either, like, the characters or the story.
0: Right, well, I mean, that's that's what, you know, the dice roll is intending to uh, figure out, right, is what exactly the impact or the outcome going to be. But in the same vein, I don't think every roll has to be consequential in the sense that sometimes it's just fun to roll dice, you know? And...
1: To harp on that, uh, if you are rolling dice, whether it's consequential or not, uh, you don't want to get into the habit of setting DCs that are either like too high or too low. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and I, I am guilty of doing this. I will just—I mean, this is kind of the perspective. If you are just gonna, have, you know, people like rolling dice. If you are just gonna want your. Like, friends to roll dice, then it's okay to make the skill check, I don't know, DC 2, because you just want them to fucking (laughs) roll for it in case they make a natural 1, which in some games a natural 1 doesn't count as an automatic failure, but maybe in your games it does, because you don't follow the rules, you rule-breaker. But if you are trying to have a reasonable DC, it's always good to have it 10 uh, or more. Uh, Anything that's like a 9, 8, 6, you're just kind of you're just kind of playing. your you're playing your <laughs> players instead of playing the game. Yeah. Unless. You know,
0: well, I mean, I, you're, you're, personally, you're, I think once you do like, oh, I think the DC would be below ten, and they're wanting to roll the dice. I just let them roll it and be like, Yay! <laughs> you, know, you did it. You Whoa, did that it. was Good a really job. high DC.
1: <laughs> that was exactly that was exactly it. Unless they roll a two, and then you're just yeah. like, oh, all right. Yep. Uh,
0: Another thing to bring. But you know, up.
1: even oh. even if um uh, even even if they failed, you can even have them fail forward, which is yeah. just to say that like if they roll a two but they just want to kick a rock, you could say uh you kick the rock it does everything you want it to it just hurts your foot a little bit <laughs> you know you don't have to be like punishing about it unless it's a punishing thing they're doing.
0: yep, absolutely but I think also that uh what goes in hand with setting these DC's 10 up uh, is being open to alternative skill checks you know sometimes, uh, you could be like, oh, I want in athletics, you know, in the case of 5e, but acrobatics might work out just fine, too. Or in Pathfinder, or something could be a different knowledge might be applicable.
1: I uh, I feel bad because I had a player who, for the longest time, uh, he played a tortle monk in D&D 5th edition. Mm-hmm. It was in a Ghost of Saltmarsh campaign, and every time he tried to intimidate someone, he would always say, hey, could I intimidate them using my strength? And I said, why would you do that? He's like, oh, because I'm like, I have, I'm really strong and buff, and I got muscles, and that's just like, I want to scare them by doing that. And I was like, no, dude, you can't do that. That's not, that's not the rules. I mean, that's, that doesn't even make sense. You can't, the skill checks for for your charisma or your intimidation is charisma you you can do persuasion or deception but you can't do that and then I found out that you very much can yeah. in fact I even saw like Jeremy Crawford do shit like that or Chris Perkins on like Acquisition Incorporated or some shit just be like yeah just do this give me this and yeah. then I was like oh no I just completely ruined that dude's role play and I... he could've well, to be fair he was a not only a medic gamer but a power gamer and he knew the rules at the back of his hand so he was already doing some shit like ah. uh he was doing some shit. So, it's like, I mean, he's not a bad person for playing the way he wants to play. I was just saying that, like, he was a, he was trying to get every inch he could. Yeah. And this was just one of them that I was like, no, 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 you can't do that.
0: I'm treating it like a video game. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That he's, yeah. like, a
1: professional. <laughs>
0: I think it's, like, a, kind of a thing just of being a DM that, you know, you you always have those moments where you look back and you're like, horrified at what you did you're like oh my god i did that
1: <laughs> i oh man oh you just you made me have a another flashback Oof. growing into the dm role and growing up being a dm uh man if you thought you were if you think currently that you're not so good of a DM, just imagine, just take 10 years off your life and then imagine how you would do it. Oh, uh, man. How you would figure that out. Uh, because I remember 10 years ago, ugh, 10 years ago, uh, when I first started DMing, the things I would do that did not make, I remember, for example, just just a brief thing. I remember when I started a campaign, I started by giving the players, I let them create their own personal magic item. And the thing is, is as a very smart intellectual DM, you might be like, oh, I'm going to limit it. I'm going to restrict it. They're like level five or something. So I'm going to make sure it's within that damage. Nope. Literally was like, make whatever you want and you have it and they loved it until they literally just started killing everything and then they were like this isn't fun anymore why did you do this to us and i was like well, I, when <laughs> i realized my mistake me well i to, to be fair they didn't ask for their own magic items, oh. i just said hey guys let's just make let's just be really cool let's do it i when i realized my mistake i tried to make the story about how like to progress the story you must give up your they all made weapons Magical weapons. I was like, you have to put all of your weapons into this one catalyst in order for it to work or activate. And I was like, the moment they do that, it won't come out ever again. It's stuck. (laughs) And I was like, I'm gonna take their weapons by doing that. But then they didn't do it. (laughs) They
0: wouldn't. Yeah. So then the campaign didn't give up their uh, their thing. They just spent a lot of time doing. Well, there was a lot of layers to this shit,
1: player. (laughs) Um, Fair enough. But moving on, yeah, another yeah. thing that we can uh, talk about is that if your players are doing a thing like a obstacle, a encounter, a puzzle, uh, you probably might have had this happen, or maybe you have it, Jet, but they will get stuck. There will be times, I mean, I've seen the stories on the internet where people are like, <laughs> I literally made, I generated a... Puzzle that can be solved by a uh, third grader, and my players, of full like engineer degree <laughs> people, couldn't figure it out. Yeah, and it's very simply just that lack of sense, you know. Yep. Like yep. your players don't get to see it, they don't get to hear it or feel it. They're pretending that it exists. It's very hard to establish limitations yeah. in your brains of what a puzzle can and can't do. It's it a lot
0: more abstract up there, you know. Hmm.
1: Which you know has its benefits but when they do get stuck like that because they will, eventually they they will unless you're really great at making puzzles I suppose uh, the way to get out of that is that you will basically just take the, f- I wouldn't say the first because it might be suspicious but you will take an opportunity when it arises to reward a player for either being creative or taking a risk so if the puzzle is you got to put the red ball in the red light blue ball, blue light yellow ball, yellow light if that's the puzzle and they have the red ball and they put it in the yellow light or they do something adjacent to that uh, you you can make them be like, oh, dude roll a check and you know the DC, you can. they might think the DC might be 15 but the DC to you is 5 <laughs> they'll roll it and you'll be like oh man, you succeed you find out that um, what you find out, your character learns in this moment that the ball does have something to do with the lights. You're not sure anything else more than that, but you do know that you have three balls and you have three lights, uh, and you reward them with that. And that makes if you if you just outright tell them that yeah. they'll feel like you're just giving it to them. But by making them waiting for them to do a thing that is positive, even if it's negative, you can say it's negative, but you learn this. It rewards that process and it gets them closer to the uh, solving the problem
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's also really beneficial in problems that are time sensitive uh, because people typically feel more pressured to act um, and try things and take those risks and that's when you can you know reward that and uh, yeah makes people really happy
1: worst case scenario if they can't figure it out and they're not getting the hints you're doing, if they haven't figured out the puzzle yet, you're fully within your power as God to um, just change the puzzle. Make it so that the problems that they are, the direction they're going in is the right direction. For example, to the ball and the light analogy, let's say they just can't figure it out. Well, then all you got to do is change the puzzle. Oh, um when someone picks up the red ball it starts beeping and you feel a pull to the red light Yeah, and they they go into the red light and then you're like oh once it does that it lights up and then you just you know so on and so on you just change instead of them having to put it there you just make it like pull them there while they're holding the ball and then it just kind of works uh throughout all of this there is a thing you want to do it's just another little quick tip we can give you uh You want to be very good at establishing your poker face.
0: Yep. Yeah, you don't want to broadcast your intentions to your players, be it good or bad. Uh, Not to say that you shouldn't use foreshadowing or other literary elements to enhance your story, but you don't want to, uh, you know hey, there's these three chests, you only get to pick one, and when they go to the middle one, you know there's something really cool in it and start getting excited for them because then, you know, they know. (laughs) It takes away the surprise.
1: Or you can use it... Uh, in the opposite way, yeah. which is you can be very enthusiastic about them walking right into this trap. Uh, <laughs> and they might be like, oh, we're doing the right thing. He's smiling.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, if you're a good DM, you know, I'm going to toot my own horn here. You'll get messages from your players like, man, I can never tell if what you're saying is the truth or not.
1: <laughs> and you'll just say, Huh. Ah. <laughs> and then you. you I just hit uh, him
0: with it. You, Makes for a good story, though.
1: <laughs> but that story, though, speaking of stories, uh, the next thing <clears throat> we're going to talk about uh, when you're DMing mm-hmm. is how to basically, uh, let's say, talk properly. <laughs> Which isn't to say uh, that there is a cadence you should have, but. Uh, there is a difference between a DM who describes a scene plainly versus one who uh, actually takes the time to illustrate what the player should be like feeling or sensing
0: mm-hmm. yeah uh, well you know using sensory and uh, what is that imagery in your, your when you're trying to describe something it's really good you know to touch on most of the senses uh, you know if you're describing a sunset you know describe the the touch of wind or sunlight on their skin and you know can smell dew forming or those types of things and uh, it helps bring people into the the world more um
1: yeah so you always want to touch on the eight senses that every human has uh, you want to touch on the uh, sight what are your what do your players see yeah uh, what do they hear what do they smell what do they feel uh, what do they? when i say feel i mean feels and physically but then what do they feel mentally what's the vibe of the place now i believe i got two more here so um let's see what else do we got <laughs> uh Ethan, why don't you go ahead and tell me the other two senses that may or may not exist oh
0: goodness i don't think i could um let's see you you got sight sound smell touch uh
1: Ethan doesn't know it, but I've purposely put more senses than the ones that exist. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think, <laughs> and I'm like,
0: you know, racking my brain, and I'm like, uh, vestibular? <laughs> no. You know, where uh, you can tell if you're upright or not? <laughs> that is true. Um, orientation,
1: the sense of orientation is true, but that's after that point. You don't need to get that yeah, far into it that's... unless you're wanting, wanting to be very special. Uh, another thing you could do if you touch on all those things, another thing you want to keep uh, up with is the way you speak with, uh, let's call it variety, but it might be better known as like pacing. You want to pace the way you talk. Um, you can talk. I wouldn't say you don't need to talk very fast as if you're trying to list these, the dangerous, deadly side effects of like, (laughs) uh, you know, skin protection,
0: uh, medicine. um, no, but if, but you, if you're in a, a spot where, you know, that you kind of want to rush them along, picking up the pace of your speech kind of helps that feeling of, oh, we need like to. Like a rolling go. boulder yeah.
1: coming behind you. You want to be, it's a very quick, fast paced environment, so you, in turn, want to be uh, snapping your fingers, hand motions, or being like, oh, it's coming, it's coming right behind you, it's right there, what are you going to do, what are you going to do, what are you going to do? You know, like, uh, it, it will, uh, I guess, hype them up. Yeah. Alternatively, if you are in a, like, desolate abandoned desert Uh, or just in space this cosmic slow infinite like (laughs) meditation you know you want to be uh working along that variety or that pacing I mean Yeah. Uh, but you probably already noticed in what I just said there that there is another factor which is the tone as well if you are in the black dragon's uh, (laughs) undead swamp graveyard you talk happy (laughs) <laughs> yeah you're not going to talk very enthusiastic and very happy and very You We're trudging
0: along through this swamp.
1: <laughs> happy little place with the dead skulls. I mean, you could. That's actually kind of interesting if you, I mean if you had an NPC by all means, but if uh, if you speak appropriately to that tone, Uh, it will immerse your players more in it. Now, I do... I will take a moment to say that I have watched some videos recently of people who try too much to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't want to do this super hard. Um, You don't want to do this as if you're checking off off boxes on like a podcast or something. You want to... um, (laughs) naturally uh, lean into these things. Maybe you don't describe all the senses. That's fine. Maybe you don't 100% speak with pacing or tone. That's fine as well. You just want to think about these like as side elements. Things yeah. to enrich. Improve it. Yeah. N- nothing to take over. Like, what do you guys mean you couldn't understand me? I spoke really fast <laughs> and really high pitched. <laughs> what do you mean you don't understand what's happening? <laughs> Uh, so, with that being said, uh, you also, I'm sure if you're running adventures that are written or that you bought offline or wherever you got them from, maybe even you made them yourself, you might have seen that there comes little text box boxes yeah. or, or scripts. They kind of want you to read. Hey, look, they did the work for you. Appreciate it. Um, while it is good to read that, you want to consider that and this happens to me too you have your DM style and you have the DM style of the text box Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to kind of move in and out of that or take things from it Uh, you don't want to uh, stick to one solely
0: yeah I like to uh, just read the box to myself beforehand and then just kind of convey the same important information but word it however I feel
1: Right, uh, I I I read it live, and if I just feel that it needs a little more of something, uh, like for example, it might say you walk in and you sit in a chair. Mm-hmm. What I might say is if it's, if you're investigating a let's say a mental asylum, uh, I would say you walk in and you sit on the chair it creaks eerily and it echoes throughout the asylum bouncing off the walls. Like, you you can add a little bit more or less depending on how you want. Let's say you didn't want <laughs> your players to be scared of the mental asylum because you're going to scare them later on with like a demon in the asylum or something like that. Well, then in that case, if, it might say, oh, they sit in the chair and there's an eerie squeak that echoes throughout the halls. Well, instead, you would just be like, uh, yeah, you sit in the chair.
0: <laughs>
1: and then you just leave it at that. And then they're going to be like, nothing happens? And you're like, no, nothing at all happens. It's perfect and safe. The... Not that you know of. <laughs> not that you know. <laughs> well, something did happen. Don't worry about it. It's not related to you. Uh, and actually, um, what you said um, could actually be a good, um, let's say, stepping... Point to our next thing, which is that you want to do things that encourage uh, description participation. Yeah.
0: I'm a big fan of description participation in combat encounters. You know, uh, anyway, describe how you attack the goblin. and You know, do you strike him down uh, from a distance with your bow? Or do you pin him to the tree with the arrow? However it goes down... It's always fun to let your players describe how they're, they're, they serve up the killing blow or their nat twenty. Oh, great times!
1: You know, you just hit them with that. How do you want to do this? Yeah, that Matt um, Mercer. Hit them with that M M-M, M, bro. Um, but it, I was going to say uh, that you do want to encourage that. Uh, let's say they roll natural 20. Hey, how do you kill them? Obviously, there's a ton of things that that, that come from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will have a problem where you will have players that say, like, I stab him and he dies. And then you're kind of going to have to be like, okay, well, you sure that's all you do? Because that kind of sounds like what you're doing this whole time. So you might have to pick it up from there. Like, oh, okay, well, you stab him. No. And, then, and then, you know, you See, take over for two? yes,
0: and... <laughs> yes, and
1: that's right, bro. Um, but not just finishing blows, but encouraging description participation uh, in anything that they kind of do. If yeah. they're walking down the street, feel free to say like, "Hey, as you're walking down the street, what do you? What is your character doing right now? You know, what is he looking at? What are they thinking? You know, like have them tell a little bit about their character, what their character does. Yeah, it
0: puts them right into the to the world." And, and
1: if they're not thinking about it and you bring it up, well, now they're thinking about it.
0: Yep, yep. And uh, if you have to describe stuff and you're having trouble kind of doing it, it's really easy to just kind of imagine it in your head and then describe that and then tack on some senses maybe. If not, uh, you know. Yeah, get into, just like how
1: you're trying to encourage your players to get into their own headspace, their own theater of the mind. If you're having trouble, remember that you can do that, too. Uh, You're technically, (laughs) I wouldn't say you're always supposed to be doing it. I'm just saying that um, if you're playing in this game of imagination, it would make sense that you, too, are in that space. So if you're having a hard time figuring out, just imagine it. Figure it out in your head, and then, like... fuck it, that happens, you know? Maybe the guy you were attacking uh, wasn't smiling crazily when he got murdered, but you imagine it in your head, and you're like, that would be interesting if that happened. And then, well, now you describe that, and then you got a whole a whole thing that comes
0: from that. Yep. He gets to add more uh, layers. And d and like a good cake. It's got a lot of layers. You know... <laughs>
1: I know cake ogres. isn't what you're going to say. <laughs> um, it is crazy that we're we're going to be... I was going to say, we're going to grow up one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, God. But what, what <laughs> Let I, me
0: know when that's going to happen.
1: <laughs> but, um, what I mean is that I have tons of references from growing up, and then I just don't say them because I'm like... Ain't going that <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> gonna be like, what the fuck is this dude talking about? What are uh, floppy disks? <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna say because when you say it's like having it's like layers, and I was like, we both know <laughs> yep. what what it is we want to say, and we just don't because yep, <laughs> who's yep, gonna yep. get? There? To be fair, a lot of people will get
0: it, but people in the future will see this and not get it. Well, I don't know that. Shrek is a pretty like it's a pretty well known meme at this point. It is, but yeah, I mean
1: it's golden. Yeah. It's golden. So that's a classic um, now. Classics
0: and I'm happy timeless. for it. <laughs> I,
1: I, yeah, I'm happy for the classic. Uh, so you're doing all these things. Uh, ultimately, what you're kind of encouraging for your players is activity. And I think we talked about this from the player's perspective last episode but so. from the DM's perspective uh look I get it it sucks <laughs> <laughs> you sit sitting at a table you say what do you guys do and then it's just silence <laughs> it's like in a world where you can do anything and almost everything you would think that your players would have some idea of what their character specifically would want to do but you will if you haven't found out yet you will find out that a lot of people uh don't know or they're rather they're they're waiting on someone else to do something right. so it's up to you as a dm to be that settings that uh i guess cornerstone of activity where you can pick out a player and you can ask them what they're doing uh, but ultimately, the goal is you're trying to make your game proactive, not reactive. I think I said this last episode. You're playing a game. You are not watching a movie. Mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. players might think so, might think differently. They might be sitting there, and the idea is that they have the controller, uh, but they don't know how to press any of the buttons. So instead, instead of playing the game with you, they're just watching you play, which right. But it's not from the perspective that you're, like, railroading them. It's from the perspective of that, like, they just don't know how to
0: play. And yeah, I mean, you it really have to goes encourage to the, them. The mother may, uh, you know, they don't know mm-hmm. what's they're capable of. And ultimately, that means they're never going to really fully explore, you know, fully go out and, and really do something. You know, everything will have to be practically handed to them.
1: I wonder if a good answer to that is like the pedantics of like an English teacher where it's like if if someone says uh, can I do that I think maybe a response should be I don't know can you Uh, Mm. uh, to like maybe make I know it might sound like you're quizzing them but I think it might honestly encourage them to be like wait I can do this I don't need to ask if I can I know I can do this and of course there will be a I can jump over the moon you'll be like Okay, well, oh. maybe you can't do that, but we can, can roll to see how high. <laughs> yeah. And I guess you can try is kind of the, the better response, isn't it? Where, that can I do this? You can try, which is just say, you could do anything, but right. you're going to try. Uh, so another way to encourage that activity is to simply uh, kind of like kids in a... I, I don't know what's it called, like a playroom, where... If you give them more toys, they're more likely to play with the toy mm-hmm. instead of just sitting there doing nothing. So if you give more functions in a scene or an encounter, more things to do, no matter how minor or you know insignificant they are, it will encourage activity. Yeah. Uh, if you just drop your players on a battle map, three enemies right here, you three right here, that's it. That's just, you're just in a circle. The only thing they can do is really fight. Um, Even if it's a like a social encounter where you're not in combat Mm -hmm. per se, they're not really going to know what to do. You got to have things happening, things
0: that are being done,
1: things that exist. If they go to a a,
0: a soiree or some kind of social event, they should Mm -hmm. have the options of going dance. You know, maybe they might want to play music. There's you know, make sure there's a lot of things there that is you know going on to where they can be here, there, wherever they want. And uh, that also helps make the game become more proactive rather than reactive. So, yeah. And to be fair, reactive isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's when you have an overwhelming amount of Yeah, I was going to say, if the game is solely reactive, though, then it's uh, always going to be you having to give an input and then they will give an output they think you want.
1: So, with all that being said, uh, I can officiate you as a fully trained DM. Except, wait, mm-hmm. there's only one problem. Uh, you know the stuff, but how do you how do you get started? How do you become a DM? Well, Sim- simply simply put, just say you are. Yeah. That's, honestly, there's so such a huge demand for DMs. You can just say you are, yeah. <laughs> and then absolutely. You, the,
0: Well, what's also really cool is uh, if you're just, hey, I'm the DM. Uh, Do you know anybody who wants to play? You know, typically you're going to have no issues finding a a group to play with. I remember
1: the Dark Age, where (laughs) it didn't matter if you knew how to DM. There was no one who wanted to play D &D. anD. d This was fourth. I mean, to be fair. I lived in a small town, and I still do. And there's not a lot of people, anyways. So I'm sure people in like New York or any like high population area, they're like I'm sure there was plenty of players. But I remember in fourth edition, I, like I didn't know about Roll Twenty. I didn't know that you that people played D and D online. <laughs> I thought it was only something you played in person. So like, there was no one. I couldn't find anyone to play. And it, it, man. That is a crazy feeling. To be a DM. And looking back on that. Being a DM. And not having players. Now. (laughs) Man. I could post almost anywhere. (laughs) Hey I'm a DM. Who's looking to play a game? And I will get people. (laughs) Strangers. (laughs) Anyone. Looking to have a good time playing d d But when we say about becoming a DM. Uh. We're assuming you have a group of friends that are interested. You get a couple, maybe three or four, maybe five, maybe eight. Maybe you're popular. Uh, How do you start that process of becoming a DM?
0: Well, I mean, I think it's as simple as uh, picking a system that you want to play, learning the system, and you don't even have to learn it, you know. You have to know everything from, you know, cover to cover, but... A, a general grasp of it enough to be able to, to run those three pillars. Um, probably going to be dice. Yep. There's probably some numbers involved,
1: like an armor class and health. Yep, yep. Um, and then there's going to be some abilities, like classes and races and like uh, backgrounds. So, you know, every player's going to want to have that and like spells maybe. Um, but once you get some of that, you just uh, go for it. Maybe your first session won't be perfect um
0: it most uh, assuredly will not be
1: i you know
0: and sometimes i those actually are the
1: most fun. <laughs> i actually was very overconfident for my first session as being a dm um because i read all of the books i was like okay <laughs> i read them all that means i know everything <laughs> um and this was me as like uh, a 16 year old and my dad Who was going to DM for us who gave up um, when I told him I had learned how to be a DM he was so happy because he had not been able to play as a player which is what he really wanted (laughs) Um, he invited all of his friends, adult friends to come over and play in the game so that I could DM for all of his friends who he used to play D&D with and uh man, it was a shit show. <laughs> it was really bad. Uh man, it's just like uh, it was like why aren't you doing the story? <laughs> why aren't you working like a team and why are you running off in the distance? I guess you can. <laughs> I don't want to say no, but <laughs> no, but <laughs> So, yeah, you want to become a DM, tell your friends, let's say they all agree. Um, you get a book. You all decide on the system. Ultimately, it's the one that you want. Um, you know, you you do want to take their opinions into consideration, but just know that if your fun is important, too. So yeah, if yeah, something's yeah. not fun to you, you should make that known. And ultimately, if they don't agree, that's okay. They can find a
0: different DM. Oh, similar to when uh, we played a Pathfinder, and you were like, mm-hmm. hey, I'll play it, but I'm not DMing that. And I was like, okay, I yeah. guess I will then. <laughs> Even
1: if you asked me to read all of the D and D books all over again, I would still decline. It's like, but then on top of that, read all the books, but then also all the math and numbers involved, and I was like, ha, 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 no.
0: Yeah, I like a numbers-heavy system personally.
1: I know you do. <laughs> That's why uh, you will be the DM. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you've become the DM. Congratulations. Um... <laughs> it is a double-edged sword, because now yep. you will never become a player ever again. Sorry. <laughs> that's how it goes. Well, let's uh, not
0: be too hasty. Maybe we have some tips for that, too. But oh, that's true. I think we, we should mainly talk about uh, you know maintaining your role as the DM. A lot of the times, there's going to be situations that come up that might bring the game to a crashing halt, where you're just going to have to set a firm boundary on it and just people are going to have to respect that you're the dm this is how it's going to roll i'll look into it later maybe we'll come up with something else but for now this is how it's going to roll out this is what we're doing
1: uh a callback to our last episode that uh, people might be aware of uh respect Mm -hmm. you know people like you respect your players you do need to do that but they do need to respect you as well And if they aren't respecting the fact that you are the one, you are the referee of this game, Mm -hmm. and they're not respecting your rulings that you're doing, man, well, I'll tell you what. (laughs) We can also give you help on leaving. (laughs) Let them figure that shit out. All right, you get a different DM. Now, you don't want to throw hands, (laughs) spit in people's faces, but you've set your boundaries you've maintained it, honestly to be fair uh because of the it, the entry level to being a dm can be a little difficult which hey that's what we're doing this for <laughs> mm-hmm. we're trying to lower that 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 level so we can get more people in because uh with a high bar that it is now and the fact that you might do it a certain way that's fun um, it actually is going to be pretty hard for people to get rid of uh, a DM. They might ask you to step down, which you can, but someone else is going to have to pick it up if the yep, game is yep, going to yep. continue. But that's not your problem. Uh, the problem is if they are upset with you or you're upset with them, they're not giving you the, the communication you need, it's not fun for you, well, how do you get out? How do you, <laughs> how do you not be a forever DM?
0: Well, good question. <laughs> I mean, I think there's like you know two different ways, kind of. Uh, there's the you know, hey guys, I'm not feeling this. Uh, I'd prefer if somebody else pick up. I'd like to play, or I'd like to not play either. Uh, you know, either one. But I think there's also you know, if you're feeling like a forever DM, uh, it's always great to encourage other people to pick up the mantle. You know, if, if somebody else kind of expresses a little interest, foster that. Help them figure it out faster to where they're like, hey, I think I want to do this. And then you get to step back. And
1: also a little, uh, I guess, treat to entice them into being a DM is uh, one, they get to be God and do whatever they want. Yep, yep. Uh, but let's say you're playing medieval fantasy and someone else wants to play cyberpunk. Um, well, that's fine. You can tell them, hey, we can play cyberpunk. <laughs> you just have to run it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's going to encourage them to be like, well, you know, straight up asking someone to be the DM can almost be discouraging because it's like, well, oh, yeah. that's a lot. But uh, it will lessen the blow when it's like, hey, we can play the game that you want. You want this fantasy? You want this cyberpunk? You can have it. You just have to run it. And after you do that, they'll either maybe even respect that you're the DM and you go back to just being the DM, or they'll take you up on it. And once they take you up on it, uh, you, don't have you to get to it. play. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I say you don't have to as in like it's a punishment to DM. And in, in all honesty, I think it's just a different play style Uh, some people really enjoy it some people really don't and that's okay Uh, you know but again I've had a lot of people express interest in DMing uh, specifically after I instate homebrew stuff Uh, you know I think when you kind of show them how creative and flexible you can be as a DM people typically go I think I can do this and then they kind of want to step up and do that. Or, you know, they might go, oh, I want to play in a, a different type of setting or a different world entirely. And, uh yeah, you know, encourage it, help them with it. And the next thing you know, you're playing a game and you're not the DM.
1: So, um I think where it lies is... uh it's in the shift of responsibility Mm -hmm. if you do a bad job of being a dm the game's almost basically over for the night and five or six people don't have a good time yeah if you're a bad player and you just like you're not present you're not very there that session well at least maybe you can the dm can help everyone else and then maybe four or five people have fun with the exclusion of one. Right. So I think it's in that responsibility that if you're a player, you're more comfortable because you're like, it's okay if I fuck up. But as a DM, you you constantly have think, oh man, I hope I don't fuck it up. And simply that's right there lies the problem and the solution of being a DM. Almost in t- that ties into our episode being Occam's DM. You if you think like that, the answer to your problems is the Occam razor approach of living a simpler DM life having a simpler list of responsibilities don't be so responsible yeah. you, know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know yeah 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 so an, an example of this is the amount of prep work you put into your games I understand that people might like it but this is for people who think who might not like it who mm-hmm. think that it's required you know over prepping is a huge thing because Your glass can only contain so much liquid. It doesn't matter if you fill it up. Like, oh, it's overflowing and pouring all over the place. But my players will get to it. No, they won't. (laughs) (laughs) They're not licking it off the floor. They're going to drink it out of the cup. So, um, and that's also to say that if you only put a single drop of liquid in your cup, Sure they might drink it but what they're really going to say is they're going to look at the cup and be like there's no liquid in this cup Yeah.
0: no substance to this game
1: there's no substance so you want to make sure that you fill up your cup enough to be substantial but also not enough that it's overflowing Uh, (laughs) how how do you do that you say well you got to find out what is right for your table
0: I think it's mainly what's right for your style of DMing. Yeah. Not even necessarily for the table, because ultimately you'll never be able to control the table. Uh, what people are going to do, they're going to do. Uh, or at least they're going to want to and try to. So ultimately, I think, it, you know, much like a good cast iron skillet, you got to season that thing to taste. Yeah. Um, Excellent uh, chef. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Yeah, season to taste,
1: spice up that cast. And, uh, n- you know, let's say you want to clean your skillet. Uh, you don't want to use soap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ethan, finish that analogy for me. What does
0: that mean? Uh, yeah, so you don't want to, like, sterilize your gameplay. That's as best I got.
1: Yeah, what is it? Uh, how do you clean a cast iron skillet? You, um... Water. You s- scrub it. Yeah, w- scrub it with water, dry
0: it, but don't clean it. Oil it, and then reheat it. I mean, you don't necessarily yeah, have to reheat it. You just most certainly have to oil it. But yes, perfectly reheat. But uh, <laughs> yeah, put it in the oven.
1: So yeah, um, someone break down that analogy, and the answer in there somewhere.
0: <laughs> Get back to us, taraxacan um, at gmail.com
1: Hit us up for your. TTRPG problems or stories. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see if we can help you. And, uh, Who knows? you know, you might get maybe... featured in an
0: episode.
1: And you might, um, you, we might have already had the answer in, in these episodes, but we haven't seen the email yet. So, you know, sorry. But uh, it is an interesting situation that's like talking about don't listen to your table, <laughs> uh, season to taste yourself. It is true. But Ultimately, this marriage between uh, your five players and you your 1DM is uh, this what would you call it? mental fusion of this like perfectly balanced um, scene yeah. where if like your players uh, outnumber you but and on top of that, they're having all this fun and entertainment uh, and conversely you are one person uh, and you are not having so much fun let's say. you are I guess it's more of the responsibility shift not really the fun aspect of it where they don't have so much responsibility but you have a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is good to balance that by having your players support you So that you are able to not... You won't have to prep so much if your players are already playing the game almost for you. Uh, And in that turn, you can turn around and say, okay, I don't have to prep so much, so then I can spend more of my time focusing on helping the players have fun. And then now that the players are getting fun, it goes back around. They have more time now that it's fun and stuff. They have more time to take up more time. You don't have to prep so much again so it's almost just imagine yin yang Yep. everyone knows that Um, I think uh, and it's almost like that like is that a paradox
0: yeah. I mean uh, it's, well, like, it's a paradoxical e- thing where yeah. I feel like uh, you know the more you prep the more you kind of shoehorn your own creative ability uh, the less you prep I'm not going to say the better because there's obviously <laughs> too little uh, but typically i feel like the less you prep uh you can kind of have more wiggle room and freedom to go with the flow of your table um you know and i think also this ties into so a lot of dms will feel you know oh no i'm not prepped enough i'm over prepping you know am i over prepping (laughs) all of these different things all of that's to say just be ready to throw all of it out the window because typically your table is going to come along and they're going to want to do their own thing and yeah you know uh you can prep all day for this bit of story and you know the table decides well they're going to go to town and have a, a fight at a bar and and go to jail and and have a good time and do all of this crazy stuff that has nothing to do with what you prepared
1: yeah you're gonna want to adapt overcome survive bear grills um
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. drink your own pee if necessary
1: if necessary <laughs> I think you're not being good enough on that I think even if it's not necessary because <laughs> uh, like it it's sterile <laughs> so um, if you are worried you're over prepping too much you can just over prep but then just be ready to discard Yeah, as well yeah. Uh, so there is a point to be made that while it is Better to take the simpler approach throughout all this. Mm-hmm. Simplify your prep work, your responsibility. Uh, I do realize that we talk about how we're, how you can you know DM simply, but then we also go into talk about all the multitude of ways you should <laughs> illustrate things. Um, th- this is all to say, the reason why we've done this it, it brings us to our next point, which is the anti-razor. Gasp. God, philosophy (laughs) We brought it back. You thought we were done. Uh, The anti-razor, which is what it is, states that the variety of things should not be rashly diminished. What does that mean? That means that the complexity of things that you are prepping for or getting enjoyment out or things that are happening at your table, you should not go out of your way to oversimplify things.
0: Mm-hmm. After all, the you know variety is the spice of life.
1: Right. So, even though we've talked about ways to simplify things, it is important to note that that doesn't mean you should go head over heel, blood, sweat, and tears to make sure you're doing the simplest thing possible. It's something. It's simple is a good uh, metric to follow, but not to adhere to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of the things that we've kind of taught in this episode, consider them foundations, foundational. But do not follow them strictly. Because if you try to focus on those things, you're not going to be focusing on what's important, which is having fun at your table. That, just have fun and then naturally incorporate these tips and tricks into your video and then you don't have to even worry so much about that stuff. Uh, we do have one final point here to mention, which is that it's kind of it's it's interesting we've put it at the end, but it's <laughs> kind of one of the first things you want to do. Yeah, on your f-
0: I think it's the start of a good campaign. Uh, rather than necessarily the start of DMing because I think Mm -hmm. DMing starts well before the game even begins but
1: technically this starts before the game begins but (laughs)
0: uh
1: it is of course a session zero Yes, a good session zero not just a regular one um because a regular not a regular one uh You can have a session zero and not get anything done, Mm -hmm. and how important a session zero is, you do want to have a good one.
0: Yeah. So, obviously, I think uh, later on, we will probably do an entire episode basing around a session zero, because we feel that it's that important of a, you know foundation to begin playing a campaign but it lays out all of the ground rules I like to use it to talk about backgrounds and you know uh, all of these kinds of things Uh, it's great because everybody gets together at the time that you would normally be playing gets people kind of into the the rhythm of things and uh, ultimately helps you set up a campaign for success with
1: all of that being said, that is going to conclude our episode for Occam's DM. Yep. Uh, as a reminder, we have social media. We have a subreddit. We have a Discord. We have uh, terexcon at gmail.com. Mm-hmm, Feel
0: mm-hmm. free
1: to hit us up on any of those things. And uh, we do have a blog in the works. Uh, is I don't know if it's done per se,
0: um, I don't want to consider it even really t- ready t- at t- this point. Uh, yeah. But get at us on our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash capital T. Uh, Twitter page is also pretty much the same, Teraxicon. Uh, we also have the link to our Discord. Link to our Discords are on both of those social medias. Uh, feel free to join in now before that becomes Patreon exclusives. Uh, you know, perks it starting at the beginning. And uh, thanks
1: for being real with us. Yeah. <laughs> with that being said, thank you for taking a mystical dive into our tabletop lexicon. Join us in the future as we embark on the next episode of Taraxicon.